0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling From The Crowd Extra. And this week's episode, well, not this week, but tonight's episode is basically Hell in a Cell. And let me just say, tonight Hell in a Cell, their, their, their marquee matches is Hell in a Cell, and those were the matches that shined the most. So I'm going to talk more about those Hell in a Cell matches besides the you know, the regular matches because those weren't really that entertaining. It was the Hell in a Cell matches that really stole the show. So we're going to start off with just the kickoff show match. we seen Archer. Truth versus Drew Gulag. The match opened up with Drew Gulag. He started making a handshake with Lil' Jimmy. And then he kicks Little Jimmy, which angers R-Truth, who attacks Drew Gulag. We see Drew Gulag begin to take control until R-Truth channeled his inner John Cena to build up some momentum, but that didn't last so long. We've seen Drew Gulag then roll up R-Truth, but Truth ends up reversing it into a roll-up of his own. Then he gets the pin to retain his 24-7 championship. We then see Lucha House Party come out along with Akira Tozawa. Then Truth runs off. We suit Gulag then stop at the panel and says, Truth, your hero John Cena sucks. And I don't see any lies there. I'm not a big John Cena fan at all. When I go to the shows, I start the John Cena sucks chance. That's the type of person I am. After that, we see Mustafa Ali. He offers a match to the Hurt Business. He allows MVP to choose who he wants to defend the Hurt Business and who the Hurt Business wants to go against. After that, we learn that Jay Uso and Roman Reigns will kick off the Hell in a Cell. And that's where we'll start officially the Hell in a Cell. Pay per view 2020. So now we have Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns in a Hell in a Cell match. It is officially an I Quit match. It was announced, I think, on Friday or last week that it will be the first ever Hell in a Cell I Quit match for the Universal title. Roman started off this match by saying he changed because he had to. Roman started off in control, showing dominance. You know, Jay builds up some offense by counting Roman Reigns. Then he hits him with two suicide dives. Jay ended up using the cell to his advantage. He began to talk Roman reigns into it multiple times then the fight spills back into the ring where Roman hits a spear out of nowhere Roman was really vocal saying that you know you're gonna quit in these next few minutes we then see Roman try to bring in weapons but Jay hits a dropkick then tries to go for a dive but Roman stops and delivers another vicious spear so so far we have two spears by Roman reigns Roman was really vocal during this match Roman says that he doesn't have to do this you're making me look like the bad guy then Roman tries to go for a third spear but Jay ends up stopping it with a super kick then he hits an Uso splash Roman Reigns doesn't quit so Jey Uso goes back up to the top and hits another Uso splash then the referee asks Roman again do you want to quit Roman then says the head of the table never quits." so we're seeing both men take super damage early on in this match and no one wants to quit we see Jey Uso then get a leather strap then begins to whoop Roman Reigns then Romans out of nowhere gets up and hits a third spear out of nowhere and then Jey ends up saying that he can't can't breathe. Then we see Roman Reigns then whip Jay Uso with that same strap. Then he says, you think you're gonna whoop me? I do the whooping around here. Then Roman begins to wrap the strap around Jay and his wrist. And this kind of reminded me of that Extreme Rules match back in 2009 with CM Punk and Umaga. It was that Samoan strap match. You know, it became, it was a Hell in a Cell match. Now it's a strap match. We see Jay then try to mount some offense. He and Roman then exchange. Roman goes for a Superman punch, but Jay ends up using that strap to dodge it. Then Jay wraps that strap around Roman Reigns neck until he passes out and then when Jay thinks it's over Roman takes his last gasp. then Jay goes back to choking Roman but then Roman still doesn't quit we see then Jay tried to use a chair but Roman hits a Superman punch then lacks on the guillotine choke Jay fades but he still won't quit Roman Reigns says quit or he's taking us to the next level Roman Reigns then drags a lifeless Jay to the apron he then hits a drive-by Roman begged Jay to quit then he starts to punch him then he places the steps by Jey Uso's face and then hits another drive-by so we're seeing this the same thing that happened to Jey Uso at Clash of Champions Roman Reigns is right now he's dominating we see the ref then try to stop the match but Roman throws the ref out the ring and then he says now I look like the bad guy what am I supposed to tell my children then we see more officials come out and they try to stop the match as well we see Roman Reigns then accept that he tries to leave we then see Roman shut the door then says nobody's leaving them Roman then puts the steel steps over Jey Uso's neck and then he speaks to him he says this didn't have to happen I tried to help you I tried to tell you all you had to do was acknowledge I was the tribal chief he was then going to crush Jey Uso's head with those steel steps but then Jimmy comes out and he shields his brother once again so just like at clash of champions we see Jimmy come out and shield his brother Jimmy then tries to talk to Roman then Roman breaks down in tears and says he doesn't know who he is anymore and Jimmy says you know we can do this Ooze, family we're we could figure this out. We'll be okay. Jimmy then extends the hand to Roman, who then accepts it. Then he puts Jimmy in a guillotine choke, which then causes Jay to quit to save his brother. So we see Jimmy being the reason why Jay Uso had to quit. Jay had to save his brother because if not, Roman Reigns was not letting that choke go. And this to me was such a phenomenal match. It was such great storytelling. I shed a tear when Roman Reigns shed tears because it felt so real. This was probably one of the most realest storylines in WWE history. You know, they had, like, Dominic and, you know, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. That felt real to an extent, but this felt super real, and I, I was so in tune to it that I'm glad that this this match went in the direction it did. It was excellent storytelling. It was gritty, creative writing, and I thought this was the greatest storyline in WWE history. Or, or maybe of all time, you know, this, this match really defined that Jey Uso can do it. Jey Uso can tell a good story, and so can the new heel Roman Reigns. After that, we see Roman's uncle and father Apha and Sika officially crown Roman Reigns at the head of the table. He is now officially the tribal chief. He has been blessed in by other members. So I thought this was a perfect way to end it. You really want to have Roman Reigns as your tribal chief? You want to make it feel real? Take true tribal members and make them have Roman be, you know, you know, offered in or put into that group. And that's exactly what happened. We've seen the beads then go around Roman's neck to officially announce that he is the true tribal chief he raises that title and we see jay in the ring just sobbing and sobbing so now it's apparent that jay uso and jimmy uso are no longer a part of that dynasty and now they have to do whatever roman reigns says jimmy wouldn't have to do it but since he got himself involved roman said you know since your brother got involved now he's a part of this too so now it's interesting to see what happens between roman jay and jimmy will they become like a little samoan faction now it's been rumored for a long time but like i said this was a phenomenal start to the show and i don't know how any of these other matches are gonna compete with it because this match was just phenomenal and and there's nothing else that I can say about this match after that we've seen Jeff Hardy versus Elias we see Elias sing a song about Jeff Hardy's drinking problems and then Jeff cuts him off with his entrance we see both men going back and forth early Hardy goes for a whisper in the wind from the steps but Elias moves Jeff then crashes into the barricade and almost loses to count out we then see Elias take control for a little bit but then Jeff begins to build some momentum Hardy goes for a twist of fate, but Elias counters hitting a power bomb for then a near fall. We see Hardy then get up and hit a whisper in the wind out of nowhere. After that, he then goes to hit the twist of fate and then goes up for a swanton, but Elias ends up rolling out the ring. It was teased that Jeff Hardy was gonna do a Swanton on the apron, and I prayed he didn't go for that because if he would have missed, he would have destroyed his back. We then see Elias then go all the way out the ring. Jeff Hardy then follows. We see Elias then grab his guitar, but Jeff Hardy fights it off, and then Jeff Hardy hits Elias with the guitar getting disqualified so we see Jeff Hardy getting his revenge you know Elias hit him with that guitar to cost him that match against AJ Styles and Seth Rollins so Jeff Hardy got his revenge you know Elias still thinks that Jeff Hardy was the one who hit him with that car and there's solid proof that he didn't so hopefully this story is over I mean it's probably not over because you know it just started but it it was an interesting way to end the match you know you gave Jeff Hardy his revenge he hit Elias with the guitar and I guess that's what he wanted to do after that we had the Miz versus Otis and the winner got the money in the bank briefcase we see Otis he got a new theme you know Otis is now on his own there's no more Tucker Tucker's now on Raw while Otis is on SmackDown so now we see Otis get his own theme Otis dominated early in this match we then see Miz try to go for a skull-crushing finale but Otis was too big for him to wrap his arms around then Otis goes back on the attack we see that the Miz was unable to build some momentum due to the size of Otis but then John Morrison distracts Otis and Miz finally takes advantage we also see Morrison attack Otis from behind. You know, we know that Miz and Morrison were going to be able to work together in this match because, you know, Morrison was on the outside. We knew he was going to play a factor. We then see Miz lock on a sleeper hold. Otis fights out, but then eats a big boot from the Miz. Miz goes for the yes kicks, which fire up Otis. He begins to eat all of Miz's shots, then goes on the attack. Otis was going for the caterpillar, but Morrison pulls out the Miz from the ring. We see Morrison then tied to attack Otis with the Money in the Bank briefcase, but then gets caught and ejected by the referee Miz you know then gets distracted because his friend is now leaving then we see Otis take back control then he was going to deliver the finish but Miz pushes him into the ropes then Tucker hits Otis with the money in the bank briefcase to cost him the win so now the Miz is the new money in the bank holder and I cannot be more happy that he is holding on to this briefcase and not Otis but we can't you know stray away from the bigger picture now Tucker has turned on Otis they then have a backstage segment where tucker says you know he did everything for otis while he was in the shadows you know he helped otis with mandy he helped otis get to where he was and it was time for him to step out otis can't do anything without him then we see otis come out of nowhere and attack you know miz and morrison and tucker and then they just cut away to focus on something else you know if you wanted to play off this big heel turn by tucker costing otis the money in the bank you should have kept it on it let them fight let them be angry let them you know fight each other and that's what should have happened but they completely strayed away from it but it's good to see see that the Miz is now the Money in the Bank champion. I don't know if he's going to cash in tonight. Will will we want to see him cash in tonight? Not sure. I don't know if it voids, like, you know, because Otis held on to it for so long. Does Miz now have his own year or does he have to still, you know, go in the right to that contract? Because if that's the case, that contract's going to be up in a couple months. So, you know, the Miz does have some time to cash it in. If he doesn't have to cash in immediately, but if he does, then I wouldn't be surprised. After that, we move on to the next match. It was Sasha Banks versus Bailey in a hell in a cell for the Smack SmackDown Women's Championship now before I talk about this match I want to just point out that I thought that no match was gonna you know keep up to what Roman and Jay did but this match really surprised me and both these women gave it their all and I thought this was another phenomenal hell in a cell match so this match started off with Sasha throwing Bailey's chair out of the hell in a cell while it closed then Sasha went on to the attack we see Sasha Banks lock on the bank statement early then Bailey bites the hand of Sasha Banks to break the hole we see Sasha then go for a dive but Bailey ends up ducking and slams Sasha Banks into the cell we see Bailey then get a kendo stick and try to use it but Sasha dodges all the strikes we see Bailey tries to use another kendo stick but Sasha catches it and hits Bailey with the knee then she sets up a table Bailey tries to mount up some offense but Sasha uses the table to drive Bailey into the hell in a cell then she runs up the table to hit a meteora into the cell then she does one inside the ring for a near fall so we see this match going hectic real early we see neither woman fully able to take control we've seen Sasha jump from the apron to the cell back to the apron to hit a hurrican on Bailey into the cell. Sasha then sets up a kendo stick to the stairs and the cage. She tries to suplex Bailey on it who then reverses. Then Sasha runs at Bailey who then ends up getting tripped by Bailey onto that kendo stick. So we know that Sasha Banks had that neck injury and her landing on that kendo stick wasn't going to help her one bit. We see Bailey then use the kendo stick again to hurt the neck even more. Now Bailey's main focus is on Sasha's neck. We see Sasha then begin to mount some offense. She does a sunset flip on Bailey off the apron into the cell. Sasha then tries to redo the same thing she did on Friday. She tries to put Bailey's neck in a chair when she, you know, made her sign that contract. So we see Sasha try to do the same thing, but Bailey ends up countering and then smashes Sasha's face into the chair. Then Bailey does a sunset flip of her own to Sasha, launching Sasha into a steel chair that was lodged in the corner. Bailey then hits an elbow from the top rope for a near fall. So we've seen a lot of near falls. We've seen a lot of big moves these women are giving it at all right now we see Sasha then hit a bank statement then Bailey crawls out from under the ring breaking the hole then she ties up Sasha in the apron and then beats her with the kendo stick after she's finished beating Sasha with that kendo stick she has a plan up her sleeve we see Bailey duct tape two kendo sticks together but it doesn't go so well so she ends up scrapping it then she tries to bring Sasha in a ring but Sasha ends up spraying her with the fire extinguisher Bailey tries to leave the cell then she sees her chair but Sasha stops it begins to destroy Bailey. Sasha then gets a candlestick, then beats Bailey with it, and then she ends up taunting her. We see Sasha Welm get overwhelmed with emotion, which calls Bailey to reach for the chair, but Sasha ends up stopping her. Sasha goes for a frog splash, but Bailey ends up shielding herself with the chair. So we know that Sasha Banks going for that frog splash and Bailey using that chair. It's got to hurt the both of them still, no matter if she used the chair to block the frog splash. We've seen Bailey then slam Sasha's face on the outside. Then she rolled Sasha Banks back in the ring for a pin but gets a near fall then bailey ends up pulling out a ladder bailey then lays sasha onto that ladder she spray paints her she goes up to the top with that chair that she has marked up then she tries to end sasha but sasha ends up rolling off the ladder and hits a meteor from the ladder onto bailey then she hits bailey's own move of bailey to belly onto the ladder for a near fall so we see sasha banks try to go and end the match using bailey's own move try to add you know insult to injury but it just didn't work we see Sasha Banks then go for a bank statement, but Bailey avoids it. She hits a knee, then Bailey hits a belly to belly on Sasha Banks to get the near fall. Then she notices she can't put Sasha away, so she starts to beat her with the steel chair. We then see Bailey attempt a belly to belly one more time with the steel chair. Sasha ends up countering it, then applies the bank statement with the chair wrapped around Bailey's neck to make Bailey tap out. So we have a new SmackDown Women's Champion, and her name is Sasha Banks. Now this match was truly phenomenal. Like i said in the beginning i didn't think anything was going to mount up to the first hell in a cell but these two women they gave it everything they got and it was a truly interesting match the story played off well and i'm glad of the outcome i feel like sasha banks does deserve this title this has been one of the titles that's been eluding sasha banks her whole career this is her first time as a smackdown women's champion and she truly deserves it and i think that this rivalry is going to continue i thought that this match was going to be the end match but it wasn't because of the fact that they're probably going to continue this story but hats on to both these women this was a really good match after that we seen the hurt business they chose Bobby Lashley to go against slapjack MVP then says he'll raise the stakes that Bobby Lashley will come out alone and he'll put his US title on the line so we're gonna see slapjack versus Bobby Lashley for the US title and that just so happened that that's our next match on the card it's slapjack versus Bobby Lashley for the US title we seen slapjack try to build some momentum early by trying to blind Bobby Lashley with his shirt but it didn't work then Bobby Lashley begins to dominate slapjack later on we see slapjack rake the eyes of bobby lashley to mount some offense we see slapjack then try to go up to the top rope but bobby lashley launches him off then the dominance continues he hits that one-handed spinebuster then applies the hurt lock to win the united states championship well not win it he gets to retain it then we see retribution try to jump bobby lashley but bobby lashley overpowers all of them then the rest of the hurt business come out and retribution runs off now how did retribution go from you know dominating too terrible as soon as Ali joined I think that's terrible I think now they're just killing the uh you know killing retribution they were supposed to be this big scary group they were supposed to change the landscape of WWE and now they haven't won a single match they got stupid names a stupid theme and they're just they're just going downhill from here I don't see retribution lasting long at all they have even utilized Mia Yim yet so I don't know what you know retribution is doing I think they're doing a terrible job at booking them they were supposed to be this dominant force but now they're not they're just losing every single match they can't even contain Bobby Lashley you have two big guys in Mason T-Bar who can't even keep Bobby Lashley in check so I think they need to figure out something to do with Retribution I think they need to work on a whole different change because the way Retribution is looking right now they look like they're not even gonna last a couple more months they barely look like they're gonna last a couple weeks and Muhammad Muhammad Ali look at me Mustafa Ali just I don't know if he needs to like reinvent himself or reinvent that whole group but Retribution right now is not working so we also have survivor series announced for november 11th survivor series is my absolute favorite pay-per-view and i love survivor series every year when survivor series comes around i always go to wwe network and i re-watch all the survivor series just to hype myself up so this year i wonder what's going to happen at survivor series i wonder what the teams are going to be i wonder if the fiend retribution of hurt misses are going to play a factor in survivor series i know that nxt is going to be a part of it who's going to lead team nxt I hope Karrion Cross is able to come back from his injury and maybe he can lead Team NXT. Now, we move on to the main event of the evening. It is Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in a Hell in a Cell match. Now, we see Orton try to get the upper hand early in disguise, but he was unable to. Drew ends up fighting back. Then, we see Orton regain control for a little bit. He tries to put Drew through the announce table, but Drew ends up countering. Then, the battle heads to the ring. The match begins. We see Orton... Orton go for an RKO early but Drew counters that then he sends Orton to the outside and he begins to use the cell to his advantage and remember this is Drew McIntyre's first match inside of the Hell in a Cell so he doesn't have that much experience as Randy Orton does we see Drew McIntyre then stay on the attack as Orton tries to run away then he begins to rag doll Orton into the cell walls over and over and over again then he uses a steel chair on Randy Orton then he ups the ante a little bit and he hits Randy Orton with those steel steps then he tells Orton this 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 is what he asked for. And then he tries to launch those steel steps at Randy Orton, who then dodges. Drew McIntyre ends up getting Randy Orton back in the ring. Drew then tries to go for a Claymore, but Orton dodges and hits that leg with the steel chair. We see him then attack Drew McIntyre's jaw. We all know that Drew McIntyre had had a hairline fracture in his jaw. So now we see Randy Orton shoving that chair into Drew McIntyre's jaw. Orton then gains control. Orton stomps on Drew McIntyre's jaw while it's on the steel steps. Then he presses Drew's face into the Hell in the Cell. We then see Orton try to send Drew into the steel steps again, but Orton eats a Glasgow kiss. Then it looks as Orton lost control, but then he delivers a thumb to the eye to Drew McIntyre. He rolls back in the ring. Then we see vintage Orton. Both men then exchange shots. Then Drew gets the best of the exchange. A few moments later, we see seen Orton regain control by countering Drew, then going to the outside. But McIntyre then throws Orton through a table that Randy Orton set up earlier in the the match we see McIntyre he had an answer for everything that Randy Orton threw at him but then I spoke too fast we seen Orton hit him with the ropes and caused Drew to take a low blow because Drew was trying to enter in the ring and then Randy Orton hit the ropes while he was coming inside the ring then Orton hits a draping DDT and goes for the pin Drew kicks out at one he kicked out at one twice so far so Randy Orton's not even getting a two count we see Randy Orton then roll to the outside he reaches over the barricade and pulls out bolt cutter and then opens the cell door Drew then stops Randy Orton from leaving I don't get this segment at all well not this segment but this part you know why was Orton trying to leave anyway it made no sense even the announcer was like I wonder what Orton's doing on the outside what is he gonna do you know there's no reason for you to make it look like he was gonna leave he's trying to be the 14 time world champion he's obviously not gonna leave we've seen Drew then stop Orton from leaving once again then Orton counters Drew and tosses Drew into the hell in a cell we've seen Orton then look up at the cell he's looking at the top and then he begins to climb when he gets to the top he tells Drew to come up and Drew looked a little hesitant like "Mm, I don't really want to climb up this cell but Drew ends up climbing anyway we see when Drew gets to the top Orton has set up a trap for Drew McIntyre he lifts up a pipe and it looked like a lightsaber and you know a lot of people made a joke on Twitter about it and I thought it was pretty funny he then tries to attack Drew with that pipe but it doesn't help Drew attacks him but then we see Drew take a momentary pause to taunt then Drew ends up getting hit hit with that pipe from Randy Orton. Orton then climbs down the cell. Then Drew follows him. We then see them battle on the side of the cage. You know, just like we've seen Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose back in the day at the old Hell in a Cell, they battled on the side. We've seen Orton and Drew battling and then Orton gets the best of the exchange and Drew ends up going through the announce table off the side of the cell. When Orton climbs down, it pans to Drew McIntyre who's bleeding from the mouth. We see Orton begin to drag a lifeless Drew McIntyre back into the ring. He then sets up for an RKO but Drew then counters it. He tries a backslide pin. Orton kicks out. Then Drew hits a claymore but Orton rolls out of the ring. That's his veteran instincts. We thought that it was over there. We thought that that claymore was going to be the end of the match but it isn't. We see then Drew goes to get Orton's lifeless body back into the ring. Drew sets up for another claymore. Then Orton ducks the claymore and then he hits an RKO to become the 14 time world champion. So we see Randy Orton finally dethroning the claymore king. You know Drew Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has held this title for a long time since WrestleMania. I didn't think he was going to lose it yet, but obviously they're not going to have Drew McIntyre 3-0 Randy Orton, especially in a Hell in a Cell. So kudos to Orton to finally becoming a 14-time world champion. I thought we were going to see The Miz come out, but he didn't. So I guess he's saving that cash in for another day. But this was a a really, really good match. Another great Hell in a Cell match. I'm telling you, the the stars of this this pay-per-view was in the name. It was the Hell in a Cell matches. The only hype moment moment of the regular matches for me was The Miz winning the Money in the Bank. And that's because that's my favorite superstar. Other than that, these Hell in a Cell matches were superb. There wasn't a bad Hell in a Cell match today. And I thought these were the star of the shows. The regular matches were okay. Some of them were pointless. But I think this is one of the better Hell in a Cells that I've seen in such a long time. And I'm glad that WWE was able to put on such good matches. Kudos to everybody who was in a Hell in a Cell match. Because you truly made this show. So, you know, that, that pretty much ends Hell in a Cell my L review um you know it was pretty I wanted to be as detailed as possible so that way those of you who don't watch it want to go watch it so if you know I seem like I'm too detailed that's because I want you to know what happened in this match so you can go back and be like oh this is what he was saying all this and all that I want you to be engaged in this great pay-per-view because it was one of the better pay-per-views of 2020 and a lot of people may disagree and a lot of people may agree but I feel like this was one of the best WWE pay-per-views of 2020 so that's going to end my review i just want to say congratulations to all the champions i want to say congratulations and big shout out to the mike mizmazan for winning that money in the bank championship and you know this has been wrestling from the crowd extra you can follow me on twitter i was live tweeting during hell in a cell at wrestling from or my facebook ray collazo so thank you for listening have a good morning good evening good night wherever you are